0: The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris.
1: Good morning, Mike.
0: Uh, We are deep into this lockdown, and um, we might actually be seeing at least uh, some signs of reprieve. Um, But there's some interesting stuff going on in and around the NHL right now. And I've
1: seen all some of sorts we, of weird stuff, yeah.
0: And I think that the possibility of the restart actually brings up one of the topics I, I really do want to discuss. We've talked about it a little bit, but I think there's a couple of people who have been overlooked in the calendar race, and we can talk about that at some point. Uh, where do you want to start this week?
1: Well, since you... Since you triggered the restart and the restart, I mean, let's start there. Uh, the okay, I mean, the NHL is. I mean, I've heard all kinds of crazy things and back and forth. And at one point, they were talking about, or at least the governor in New Hampshire was talking about how something about playing games there. And I, I, I mean, all sorts of weird scenarios that. New hampshire
0: actually isn't a bad idea um i bet south i bet north dakota would kill to have uh the nhl show up for uh games um it, it would probably drive tourism uh eventually when it when it's allowed again um but neither new hampshire nor north dakota have been particularly hard hit um and really only a handful of players have actually tested positive for, uh, for the reason for the shutdown.
1: Yeah. So this are, uh, this, this particular story that we're talking about though, it's uh, they, they actually have now formed a return to play committee. Correct. And they look, uh, I'm trying to gather what they looked at here. Uh, I love these virtual committee meetings and, and It's not virtual. You all are real. You're just not in the same room. (laughs) Extraordinarily collaborative, constructive, and cooperative. Hey, it sounds like the place where I work. (laughs) Couldn't be more pleased. But yet they still haven't actually solved anything. Well, no. I I, I understand that they can't – until you know – or have some idea of when there's going to be reopening or restart. It makes it difficult to, to, to decide, like, when officially to restart or whatever it is they're looking at. Uh, I mean, if you listen to players, though, the players are talking, like, even if they do restart... You're still talking about a couple of weeks ramp up because people have to get back in game shape. Oh, uh, and we've and we've talked about this in the past and on the past couple of episodes, where you know it, it's not just a signal of you know they drop the they drop the green flag and everybody's back on the ice playing hockey games, because as you pointed out, injuries are are a factor, uh, the fact that nobody's in game shape. Uh, and I don't want to be mean to Joe Thornton. It's great that he shaved off his beard. And, he lost 10 pounds in the process. But he doesn't exactly look like game shape. I mean, it's one thing for me he to hasn't have a belly like
0: game shape in like
1: 10 years. It's one thing for me to have a belly, but it's another thing for him to have a belly, I suppose. But he, I mean, and and that's the video of him and his daughter when his beard magically disappears. But as far as the commissioner is concerned, I mean, he's saying all the right things. We miss the game. We miss our fans. We miss watching our players play every night. But what is the next step? Outside of creating a return to play committee, what is the next step? We got to get players. I mean, the NBA has. In some markets, opened up practice, but they still have limitations. You can only have one person on the court at a time, and and to me, that doesn't sound like a very good practice. But at least they're out there doing game type things. I mean, has everybody been playing, or at least skating since this? Since uh, highly the, doubtful.
0: I, I would I would be willing to bet that less than ten percent of the league has been skating.
1: I mean, I I assume that as we talked about when Seth Jones started back on skates a few weeks ago, at least whatever it was now, I'm guessing that he's skating, but it's more for medical, uh, physical therapy as opposed to playing hockey games. But as soon as possible means under the right circumstances. And for that, we're going to take our guidance from the governments at all levels. And from the medical people, so they're still waiting. So, no news is good news. The season they haven't canceled the season. I don't think
0: you could convince them to cancel the season unless unless everything gets moved to a point where all like interstate travel in the U.S. and international travel, including to and from Canada and Mexico, is completely stopped. I don't think you're going to see the NHL concede the season. I just don't. They don't don't want the asterisks on their record books. They don't want uh, the lack of resolve. There's too many players um, who are too close to milestones and really good stories for the return to the season.
1: And it would, in my opinion, it it would. Had this happened fifteen or twenty games into the season. I can see canceling the season, but the fact that we were 75, 80% through the season, 90% of the way through the regular season. Yeah. You can't, you can't just throw that out and say, well, it didn't count for anything. And they, the NHL really does not want to hand out a Stanley cup to a champion that didn't win a playoff. I I,
0: honestly, I think that they, if they were going to cancel the season, They hand out the President's Trophy, and that's it. And And I say that as the... And even knowing which team would get that, I still don't like it, but I think it's better than saying we awarded it... It's all you uh, can do. We awarded it to the people who finished the regular season highest.
1: And and that's really all you can do. You can't hand out a Stanley Cup. You, You can't hand out a championship when you haven't had the playoffs that lead to that championship. So I, I understand it, but I also think that if they were going to cancel the season, they've had multiple opportunities to, to shut it down altogether. The fact that they've waited this long now for them to turn around, it's almost like they passed a point of no return to a situation. I,
0: yeah. I think the backlash would be higher now than if they had done it uh, back in early April or even mid March.
1: And, and yeah, and, and so now uh, we're looking at, you know, do they start hockey? Can you really have hockey in August? I think that it's difficult. I
0: think you're going to have to try.
1: And then you're still going to start, uh, you're still going to start a truncated season no. in November.
0: No, they're, they they ha- they're going to have to do the full season, purely for revenue. Forget anything else. It, but it's going to end up being a more concentrated season. You're going to see more weeks with four games than two games or three games because you're not, you don't want to be playing into August again.
1: Uh, no, but I understand. I mean, with all the talk of, of with all the talk of, of money and the possibility of doing, um, uh, what's that word? Uh, the, the, the buyout term that I will.
0: Uh, oh, um, Yeah, the uh, yes, the relief buyouts or whatever, but it it, it still comes. They're still
1: spending compliance buyouts.
0: Compliance buyouts. They're still talking about you still having to spend most of that money. You just get to spread it out over a longer period of time, which might help for some of the least successful teams. But the least successful teams are most are least likely to do the buyouts in the first place. Um. I I would like to see the league restart um even if it's as the current front runner among plans appears to be they start it in four sites
1: and go from there um well I mean can they still can they steal a page from major league baseball's plan and and can you re can you I think for baseball it's easier because they haven't actually officially started the season yet. But one of their ideas is to realign all of the divisions, so they only have an East, a Central, and a West. But the fact that we've the fact that hockey's already played ninety percent of the season. Yeah, I I, I think that's I don't know that they. It, it would limit travel, and and I think that's I think that would certainly help if if you only have to play within. But the schedule's already been made been, you know, they've already played 90% of it. Some of them have you know, more home games than away games. It's there's a whole lot that even if they decide okay, we're going to restart in a month and but you can't get anybody on skates yet. And once they do get on skates, like you said, you got two, you got a minimum two week ramp up just to get people skating up to game speed again and Uh, and I don't even know if two weeks is, is feasible.
0: Two weeks is minimum viable. And you're going to, you're going to be, you're going to face, uh, that first week and a half of the return of ugly hockey, like ugly hockey,
1: ugly hockey is one thing. I just don't want to see players going down with injuries. It's, it's almost inevitable. Um,
0: I mean, unless you're going to shorten, uh, the periods and the games by, you know, six or seven minutes so that, you know, that first week and a half you're playing, you know, 42 minute games instead of 60 minute games, um, for the sake of protecting the players and allowing a harsher, a shorter ramp up. Um, but I, I can't see the league going along with that. I can't see most of the players wanting to go along with that. Um, and most of their advertisers would have an absolute fit
1: i think that this one state this one sentence or this In one quote yeah I go mean,
0: ahead one uh, one other option that would be unusual and probably disdained and <laughs> I, I can understand i can understand it yeah and it does create additional overhead time aka advertising time for the re- rid- remainder of the regular season go to playing in four quarters with a 15 minute break in the middle 15 four. 17 minute break four you give quarters. the guys four quarters instead of three that way you're playing four 15 minute quarters
1: now you yeah i yeah i think it it's would a be it's a big scene. change to the game yes
0: but you're giving you're building in more recovery time uh, both cardio uh, mental um, you hit the regulars, you hit the postseason, and you flip back to normal, and go from there.
1: I wonder what the players would have to say about that because do they have to? How much adjusting do they have to do to go from a 20-minute period to a 15-minute period, and then playing four segments instead of three segments? I mean, yes, there are overtimes, and, but that's not a given. That's not going to happen every night. Uh, I, I, I I would love to I get can, player perspective on that. I can see it. I can see and it I causing. An, I can see it causing an issue with NHL. The the officers of the NHL, you know, because you're not just messing with a format, and you're messing with history. It's always been. It they've never changed from two halves to three periods they've never it's always been a three period three 20 minute periods is i awesome.
0: understand that but if you're going to protect the players um and minimize the amount of startup time uh before the start of the season or restart of the season i think it's an option that you really can't
1: discard um, I'm not discarding it. I'm just saying, I think because I, I mean, yes, for your,
0: front, for your one or
1: two lines, the number one, the two lines,
0: it probably means two less shifts per period. Um, uh, two, three.
1: How do I mean? Are we even taking into consideration contract bonuses and, and whatnot? You know, it, I don't know if anybody has time on ice bonuses, but I mean,
0: I mean, you'd still be playing the same amount of game time. You're just getting an extra break in there.
1: Yeah, by and how long is, if you're only doing one 17 minute break at halftime, what's the break between the first quarter and the second quarter? Is it just a three minute commercial break? Is it a, I, is it I a go, five minute device
0: break? I'd still go for like 12 or 14 minutes there. Uh, or maybe do the pull seventeen at each,
1: because um, now you're lengthening the time of the game itself. Yes, in the actual time, not game time.
0: Yeah, I I think I can live with that for you know ten or twelve games.
1: And then definitely go back to standard NHL format for the playoffs.
0: Oh, absolutely. I, I don't I don't conceive the game changing so much or being so much remarkably better in the 15-minute uh, 4x15 over the 3x20 that um, the league suddenly decides, oh, wow, why didn't we do this 100 years ago? Or, I mean, I think, I mean, when you come right down to it, the mistakes that happen late in periods are part of what makes the game really exciting. And that extra five minutes does mean that those mistakes are a little bit magnified uh, in tw- well the standard twenty minute periods, mm-hmm. um, so I I kind of lean towards uh, it not being a permanent thing. But this is not a normal season.
1: No, clearly it's not. And I mean, just to wrap, just to as far as for me to, to wrap it up, I mean this quote from from Batman. It says, "We're going to try and make good, prudent, and careful judgments." This isn't a race to be first back when we come back. We want it to be at the right time for the right reasons under the right circumstances, end quote. Uh, like I said, saying all the right things and I completely agree with him. I don't think that it matters who's first back. I mean, NHL fans are waiting for the NHL just because the NBA comes back before them doesn't suddenly mean that the NHL is going to lose fans.
0: Um. Yes, no, Maybe. Really, as desperate for fresh entertainment as most people are right now, <laughs> and, because
1: and people have had that. six
0: or seven weeks to stream every show and movie that they've ever wanted to see, and you know even for shows like Supernatural that were on the air for twenty seasons or close to it, you've had time to watch it uh i I don't know how many people I know who have done uh who have watched the entire MCU um, uh, to date uh, at least once since the since the lockdown started, and some of them are even including like uh, Agents of Shield in that. Uh, there's, I mean, there's a lot going on.
1: There is, and I agree. I don't. I'm. I'm. I'm not ruling anything out. So. If they want to come back with four quarters instead of three periods, uh, you know that's fine. I just want to see the game return, but I want to see it return smartly. I don't want to see it return just for the sake of getting people back on the ice, and suddenly we've got, you know, four guys on the first night with MCL injuries, and now they're done for the next six to ten months. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, if they're uh, gonna do, it, if they're gonna do it, whatever it is they choose to do, I I just want them to do it smart.
0: Um, and, so and the restart is also. I think it actually restarts one of the award races. Really? Yeah. I mean, the heart, the uh, the heart trophy. That one is almost always going to whoever wins, whoever scores the most points. Um. Uh, the the.
1: Um, Not always. carry Price has won it.
0: Yeah, but did he actually?
1: <laughs> i knew you were gonna say that i just figured i'd lob the softball up there
0: um the norris trophy probably decided because that's honestly a rolling reputation award and not necessarily a single season award regardless of what people say about it oh the official reasons for it but i think I just, the calder trophy yeah you've got a bigger field than most people were willing to uh, willing to talk about a couple of weeks ago, uh, or a month and a half ago.
1: Well, a month and a half ago, a month and a half ago, it was basically Kale McCarr, uh, Dominic Quinn Kubalik, Quinn Hughes, and, and maybe Elvis Merzlikens. Elvis it, was sneaking in there, but I don't know if he had played enough at that point. If, um, he's play, if he's played enough, then more power to him because he was dominant for that stretch that he was starting when Corpusala was out.
0: And let's talk about the quality of player around those guys. Um, Merzlikens maybe has overall the mm. team around. him.
1: Yeah. OK, I thought you were going to say something else. Yeah, I would Not agree with bad. that. But he also was without Seth Jones. The whole time that he was playing. Yes, they have Zach Wierenski. Yes, they have, uh, what's his name, David Savard. Yes, but Um, both of those
0: guys are more offensive than defensive most of the time. Agreed. Um, Quinn Hughes, well, here's, but the other part is, for Mersleekens, that team with a couple of different players, yes, was in the playoffs last year. They made it out of the first round, so they weren't, they didn't trip, fall, and land into the playoffs. Um, Kale McCarr got to play in the playoffs last year because Colorado was a really solid team, surprising almost everybody. Um, Dominic Kubalik, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks last year were eliminated from the playoffs uh, basically in the last two or three days. Um, yeah, I don't, even and
1: know. I don't even know if he played. I thought this was like his. No, first no, no, game. he
0: didn't. But the Chicago Blackhawks this year are, well, they have all of. They have de- they certainly have Detroit and all of California below them, so they're not necessarily a great team. Um, they're certainly not as good as uh, Kale McCarr's Colorado Avalanche, uh, where there's a whole lot less pressure on him uh, simply because the rest of the team is of the Calder candidates. Okay. Um, the be- hands down the best.
1: But um, but if you're going to make an argument for Quinn, even Quinn Hughes, and as much as you may or may not like. Ah uh, oh, goodness, what's his name up there? Their number one defenseman, it, even, Quinn Hughes is not Quinn Hughes is not the the be all end all of defense in Vancouver. Though I mean, didn't say that. I, I that get team your argument. Hasn't
0: been near the playoffs in years.
1: Certainly, uh, hasn't been in well, 2010-11, 2000, uh, As far as I could tell, did they make? Have they made it since their run to the Stanley Cup?
0: If they did, uh, it certainly wasn't the last four or five years, but I don't remember them having done so.
1: Nor was it Um, memorable if it wasn't.
0: So he's honestly got a team that's highly questionable. I mean, and if you're going to – so Dominic Kubalik, um, Victor Olofsson is someone we haven't talked about at all. Um, yes, he's ten goals behind uh, I say, he
1: kind of fell off for a while there. he He went into a some kind of a cold streak or, or where he wasn't putting the puck in the net. but then he started warming up just before the uh, just before the shutdown.
0: yeah, he's ten goals behind Kubalik, but he's only four points overall, and that's in fourteen less games. So he has a much better points per game percentage. Yes, mm-hmm. kale McCar, who's only played fifty seven games due to injuries. Um, has the highest, uh, points per game of anyone we're talking about. Um, but another guy who really, really, really needs to be talked about, Mm -hmm. um, who happens to be playing with Ryan Lindgren,
1: please um, tell Ryan Lindgren, former Bruin prospect.
0: Yes, him and five other guys were (laughs) traded for a guy who we got about one game per trade piece uh, in the playoffs for from in uh, in Rick Nash.
1: The thing is, we gave up we gave up all kinds and sorts of defensemen in that deal. Oh, they
0: they gave up like five players to get like four points out of Rick Nash in the playoffs. Yes. Like it's a it's it's very nearly a player per point, which is mind boggling. It is one of the worst trades
1: in the last decade of the NHL. I I would, yeah, it was not Don Sweeney's finest hour. <laughs> but as,
0: so good as, Ryan, talk- as much as this guy has talked about Ryan Lindgren and how how well he's enabled his game, he's not the guy we're talking about. Are talking about an ECAC guy? guy? Adam Fox. Ah, another ECAC Northeast
1: guy, yes.
0: He's playing on a terrible team.
1: Terrible. The range, the Rangers are, the Rangers are a not. I don't know if I'd categorize them as terrible. They're a not good team, I agree, but they were fighting their way. They were fighting and scrapping their way close to a playoff spot before the shutdown. And they the were Rangers, they were beating some good teams.
0: But here's the thing: the Rangers' best, arguably their best defensive pairing, is a pair of rookies who are basically fresh out of the USHL. The U.S. National Development Team in Lindgren and Fox. That's a p. That's a problem with Fox is out.
1: Cap- Fox is out of the ECAC. ECAC, literally. I mean, he just finished his season. He just finished last year, just like Kale McCarr did. I mean, so yeah, he's we, clearly in his Yeah, we saw career.
0: him not very long ago in. We saw him
1: against Kale McCarr in Las Vegas. Yeah, I thought that. Did they play each other? In, in I don't game. believe they did. All I know is that they both they both appeared to be men among boys on the ice. You could tell that they were clearly closer to NHL-ready than anybody on that ice. <laughs> and I do like Adam Fox. And there was a time where I didn't consider him uh, earlier in the season. He, he, he just didn't seem to be a... He didn't seem to quite be acclimated yet. I don't know, but as the season went along, he a started putting points on the board. B, he looked more and more like a guy who, at some point in his career, should be a number one pairing defenseman. And yeah, I I can certainly give him consideration. I don't know that he's going to get it well, because there's I think, the thing. I think the names above him are. Where is he playing? Yeah, he plays in New York. Biggest market there is.
0: Biggest market on the continent. He plays in the biggest market in hockey. And if the New York media decides that Adam Fox is a serious contender and gets behind him, he's going to he's going to be a finalist at minimum. Um. Okay. Which isn't to say that Elvis Merle- Merzlikens, who I'm just, just signed a really nice contract, should be left yeah. out of the discussion. <laughs> uh,
1: the question is if you if you put him in, who do you leave out? Do you do you literally have three defensive prospects for rookie of the year? Because you're not going to kick out Quinn Hughes. You're not going to kick out Kale McCarr. And if you if you did What is your argument for leaving one of them out to include a Dominic Kubalik? Dominic Kubalik is 20, Maybe your argument really 25 is years team. old. I mean, yeah, but Kale McCarr on his team should – I mean you would think that on a team of that quality since they're in the playoffs, he doesn't need to be playing the minutes he is. But they still rely on him because he's solid in his own end as well as in the offensive zone.
0: That's coaching. That's a coaching decision. But as far as the I think we can both agree that as far as the forwards go, he has the best forward core hands down um, of any of the rookie of any of the contenders.
1: Yeah, I, clearly. I mean, as much as I love J.T. Miller in, in in Vancouver, yep. Uh, they don't have. I mean, they got a lot of young guns up there. They got you know, you got oh, Brock Besser, you, you got a lot of youngsters up there, Brock Besser and 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 Jake Bertanen and and.
0: And I really and so like Zabinajad cool. Always have. I've talked about him since before he was drafted. Um, you got the bread man, uh, in New York, but after that. Um, After that, you're looking, at, in the garden.
1: you're looking at Ryan Strome and a, and a bunch of uh, backup singers.
0: Roadies. <gasps> We're talking roadies here.
1: <laughs> so, yes, I would agree that Kale McCarr has the strongest offensive group in front of him on the ice every night.
0: And he's got a reasonable goal. Te- he's, he's had reasonable goaltending behind him, too. Not great goaltending, but certainly mm-hmm. reasonable.
1: I mean I, I Grubauer's been Gru has been solid. Uh he went out when he went out hurt, I forget who the backup is. But um oh it's uh yeah. Of course it escapes me when I I can think of it any other time and now all of a sudden I can't. The kid that's a the backup there has been standing on his head a little bit too. But he's not a rookie. And I don't know why I can't think of his name. Uh, I don't know. As far as as far as uh, in Vancouver, yeah, the the uh, goal oh, Pavel Pablo oh, Franco's Alfronso, yeah, Pablo Francis
0: who has a uh, 923 save percentage in the 34 <laughs> games that he's been in there.
1: Okay, um, so yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> uh
0: not too many people are going to complain about that. I mean, Grubauer's had a 916, so that's definitely not bad. Um but certainly certainly that's a that's a lot better than and if you if you the new yorker about, uh, the New York goaltending has been this year
1: unfortunately uh David Quinn has decided that uh, it's nice to have a three headed monster in net, although I get the feeling that Lunquist has been more for show than for actual play because they they literally called up uh the third string goaltender and then then David Quinn named him the number one over Georgiev Uh, literally said that this is our number one goaltender and he's the kid that they called up he's like 23 years old another Russian name Uh, (laughs) and then you've got in Vancouver you've got uh Markstrom who's now out with he's done for the season so well, was looking, done for the season. Who was knows? Was done for the season. So Thatcher Demko has been the number one, and not saying that Thatcher Demko isn't the future, but he's still got a uh, he's still got a st- not a great saves again. Uh, uh, you're talking about uh, Shestri- uh, Shesterkin in New oh, York. Oh, Sh- yeah, Igor Shesterkin in New Shesterkin. York. He's like 23 years old. David Quinn called him up and then named him the number one. And I you think that was—I think that was when he was throwing in the towel on the season.
0: <laughs> if he—if he was throwing in the towel on the season, he didn't do a very good job of getting it into the ring because uh, Shristeskin.
1: Um, he has like a 940 save percentage or something like that.
0: Games, <laughs> ten wins. 932 save percentage. That's what
1: it is. He, he yeah, he's ridiculous. And
0: the team's uh, goals against average is down half a goal from um, Georgiev and almost a, and almost three quarters of a goal from uh, the King. Yeah. Um. So yeah, if you're throwing in the towel, you miss the ring.
1: And landed in the by the race. way, by the way, shesterkins a pretty good goaltender, by the way. <laughs> um, that's gonna the run. be that was I mean at this point you
0: can through. start the you can start the Calder race next year with Shesterkin.
1: And potentially Merslikins if he doesn't qualify this year.
0: Uh, I think he's already qualified. I'd have to double check, but I think he's hit the twenty-five
1: oh, okay. uh, games. <laughs> Yeah, Igor, 28, and oh, I'm sorry, Igor is now 24 years old when I, he must have had a birthday because he was 23 back when he was playing.
0: And Uh, I know it's not my favorite stat or, and certainly I don't consider it hugely reliable, but one more uh, for Adam Fox, Kel McCarr on what we've said is the best team uh, of any of these rookies has, is a plus 12 uh, on the season in 57 games. On that okay. <clears throat> iffy New York Rangers team, Adam Fox is a plus twenty-two. <laughs> Kale McCarr is playing in what anyone in the world understands is a much softer Western Conference.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: on one of the better teams and is a plus twelve, which which is great. It, it's a really solid number. Um, Adam Fox on that iffy team in the tougher conference is a plus 22 over 70
1: games. That's, that's something to talk about. Especially, especially when you don't like the, uh, especially when you don't like the stat. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I mean, for me to bring it up. Yeah. It's kind of important. And there's really, I don't know that this is a two man race or even a three man race. You could legitimately give yourself five or six finalists this year, um, and I think that the race is is certainly
1: worth talking about. Um, uh, it, 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 it's it's not it's not the cut and dry race it's been in the past. That I will say for sure. I think people at the beginning of the season were expecting that it was going to be cut and dry. ken oh, the I forget who.
0: Oh, um... Capo uh, Capo Caco. And and, And who was the other forward who was drafted?
1: Uh, Jack Hughes?
0: Jack Hughes. They were expecting it to be Hughes and Caco and everybody
1: else. Well, it's not either of them. And, in fact, it's Jack's brother. And... Yeah, I just... I I mean, it... Your top three has to be the – I think your top three is all the defensemen. I don't know. I, I, Kubalik could sneak in there at 3A or 3B. But I
0: think if you're evaluating it based on quality of teammates, you may have to drop Makar out of it. If that's going to be any more than 15% of your evaluation, Makar's out the door. And then, and then, to me, it's probably Merzlikens, but I will, I will accept either Merzlikens or Fox.
1: Um, and even so, you still throwing Kubalik out, or I mean, are we going to have no forwards?
0: I I like, I like Kubalik. Um, and he's certainly playing on a uh, awful team. Uh, Yeah, the. The Sabres have been largely awful. Um, part of it is just a lack of depth at forward. Um, and he's done. Did he certainly play all 30. year?
1: Did he play all year in Buffalo or did he get trade there at the deadline?
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Kubalik is in Chicago yeah. and 30 goals is nothing to sneeze at. But
1: I'm just um, wondering, does he play on a line with anybody uh, named if he's playing like on, Kane or Taze?
0: If he's playing with either one of them,
1: he's almost forgettable.
0: <laughs> even with 30 <laughs> But two guys who are not going to get the Calder this year, who we mm-hmm. just mentioned, who I think probably benefit the most from this really are um, Jack and uh, Jack Hughes.
1: I think the fact that Capo the,
0: Caco.
1: I think the fact that the spotlight was taken off of them by this race. And makes well, it, uh,
0: the spotlight was moved off of them. But I think that the time to sit back and digest all of the all of the sea, all of the season thus far, and everything that they've had to adjust to coming out of you know their previous level of hockey, I think that's bigger. The spotlight is something that they've been dealing with for two years um, before making it to the NHL. Um, I think that adjusting the mental adjustment to just NHL lifestyle. I think, I think they have a chance to have a really strong finish to the season. Now, I don't think either team. Well, the Devils are not making the playoffs. We can we can pretty much put that in stone. Um, the Rangers are not necessarily. I mean, they're probably not going to make it either. But uh, there's there's something to talk about there. Right now, the Rangers are two points out of the second wild card spot,
1: yeah, and the Devils been,
0: are not on the screen.
1: The Rangers, like I said, the Rangers had, the Rangers were on a little bit of a uh, of a streak there, uh, powered not in the slightest by Shostakins' time in net, although he ended up getting into a car accident and then they had to go back to Georgiev. But even when they went even when they went back to Georgiev, he was winning. They were, on, they were on a little bit of a tear. That's why they're as close to a playoff spot as they are now. I, I don't know. I think that I think that you start with – I don't know that they're going to rule out Makar. I, I understand the argument for it because of, of the team he plays on and, and the offensive power around him. But I don't know that the voters are going to discount him that easily. I think that he – they would have to be convinced like, okay, he didn't play a full season. He got hurt. Not that getting hurt is your own fault, but he didn't play as many games as Adam Fox. He didn't play as many games as Quinn Hughes, and I have not looked up Quinn Hughes' stats, so I don't know how many games he's played. I do know that Quinn Hughes is like a minus 9 or 10 or something. So if you want to go plus minus, he's got the worst of the three.
0: Um, yes, he does. He's a minus 10. Um, Olson is minus one. Uh, and then there's everybody else.
1: So, I, this is, I like this kind of argument. Unfortunately, in years past, it has been whoever the favorite was, and that's who it's going to be, and that's who it ended up being. And I think Patterson a little surprised me last season. I don't know that he was expected to win Rookie of the Year, I think they were expecting it to be Darlene. But Elias Patterson just burst onto the scene, and that was the end of that.
0: And burst he did. He, he ran over any, <laughs> anything.
1: There wasn't really any competition for him. I mean, Darlene did, did kind of bring it on at the end of the season, but uh, I don't think that there was any real strong competition for Patterson. I, I can't think of whoever else was nominated. No, uh,
0: this year you could easily, I could easily relax and say, yeah, good choice. If the voters come up with any of four know uh, or uh, five candidates,
1: yeah, I mean, yeah, this is this is a good year to be a rookie of the year. You got you got lots of choice, and you can't really go wrong, regardless of who you're picking. I mean, and, and, as long as it's one of those five. Yeah, if they come up with somebody clearly off the board, I'm going to be like, uh, no. (laughs) Sorry, not happening. Well, we've talked about uh, one of the teams in the Metropolitan
0: Division um, extensively, actually, and another team in the Atlantic, even Mm -hmm. though it's nowhere near the Atlantic. Um, Ouch. (laughs) Why don't we talk about one more team out east um, and one of its players who – has gotten a lot of attention for all of the worst reasons this year. Um, Oscar Lindblom, uh, of the flyers, as we know, went out fairly early in the season, uh, uh, with a cancer diagnosis and, um, a bone cancer diagnosis, which is, uh, terrible. Uh, it was December 13th that he was diagnosed. um, it looks like his cancer treatments are nearing an end, which is great. Um, he still needs to, uh, according to the flyers, assistant general manager, Brent flair. Um, he still needs to be checked out and he'll be able to start training and building up again. Um, uh, it doesn't appear that he's lost the, all that much weight. Um, He's been apparently he's been working out through his cancer treatments. I've never had them, but I know people who've gone through it. Uh, Yeah, that's impressive.
1: He's it's nice to I'm very happy for him and his family. I'm glad that he's almost through the treatments. I'm glad that he's 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 on a path to return. That being said, he's still got a ways to go and. I wish him nothing but the best. But, he, yeah, it, I mean, and it says right here in the article he still has to build up strength and stamina, stamina make sure he's healthy, and then he's got the pandemic thing, so his immune system, uh, he has to protect himself from that. But I really do hope that this kid comes back because a talented kid on a team that certainly could use him. I mean, don't get me wrong, the Flyers are, are doing well. As they are, but uh, they need him. Yeah, and I, I just, I, I don't wish this sort of thing on anybody. I watched, I watched family friends go through this, uh, go through cancer treatments and chemo and, and things like, and to just, uh, it's not a fun situation, and. It's just it's good news to hear that he's almost done with his treatments. But it would be nice to see him train back on the ice, at least skating and, and building himself up. Just what a what a positive image that would be to see him back on skates.
0: Yeah, and less talked about, but also a a strong uh, miss for the team. Uh, they drafted Nolan Patrick. Uh, what was it? Two years ago? Three? and he hasn't played at all this year uh, due to a migraine disorder. Uh, he went home to recuperate, and it appears he's feeling better, um, but there's still no timetable for his return. Um, but apparently he's getting back into shape as well. Um, if the Flyers can have these guys on the ice, healthy and ready to roll to start next season, um, that that is pushes their stock up and everyone else in the division has to take notice. Um, right now, uh, the players the they're,
1: they're both RFAs at the end of the season, you know, July 1st or whenever they decide.
0: Yeah. If, I mean, given Nolan Patrick's health since he was drafted, I don't necessarily see anyone throwing an, a, huge offer sheet at him. Um, and you know, Lindblom, if he's not back from cancer,
1: I don't see anybody throwing opera sheets around after what happened with Ajo last year, but okay.
0: (laughs) Eh. You never know. There's more outsider-ish GMs now than there were 10 years ago.
1: Um, Certainly got a lot more to consider with everything that's going on, that's for sure. And yeah, the GMs. uh,
0: I mean, the Flyers are in second place in their division. They're one point behind the Capitals with the same number win. of regulation wins and one less regulation or overtime uh, win. It's definitely conceivable that they could finish the year on top of the division. They've got the most, uh, they've got more wins than Washington. Uh, and they've got a nice three point cushion
1: on the Penguins. And that, and that's without, I mean, the flyers, Long-term, long-term IR is three players. We've discussed two. The other one is somebody named Samuel Morin, who yep. is also a young player. I mean, when your when your long-term injured reserve is three players and the oldest one is 24, uh-huh. it's a little strange. I mean, would you expect that your long terms are all going to be? kids on their entry levels
0: no you really expect to see that more from guys who are 24 to 28 um and just cumulative injuries or something really gross and traumatic i mean for the the migraine disorder that uh nolan patrick has that sounds like it's something he's had for a couple of years probably well before he was drafted
1: I don't think, yeah, you don't just develop, it's something that, uh, take it from somebody who has them, it's not, not at all fun, I mean, I, for as long as he's had it, I don't know how he's dealt with it, I've talked with other people, and, I mean, going through constant, if you go to a neurologist, you have to try all sorts of different medications before they'll move you on to another one, Uh, the fact that your body builds up a tolerance to those medications, so even if it works, it may only work for a short time before and it's suddenly not as younger, effective.
0: And, when you're yeah. younger, you burn through drugs a lot faster.
1: Yeah, um, you metastasize – the medications metastasize quicker and, and – I again, I wish him nothing but the best, especially having migraines myself. I I can certainly sympathize. <laughs> Because there are days where I just don't want to open my eyes or do anything. Can't move. Get uh, the halos and the uh, the, uh, the, the audio-visual, uh, uh effects and and the auditor everything that's over a whisper is too loud. I can sympathize. I think the stadium would be would be
0: absolutely. I- I don't know how you could do a stadium. I I don't know. I don't get them frequently. Haven't had one in quite a while. Um, But I I don't know how anyone could go to a stadium, uh, much less strain at a stadium. You know, the physical strain of going through an NHL game, even if you're not a particularly physical player. um, Yeah, does not sound like uh, the best thing to do. Nope.
1: Um, so Lindblom's coming back, uh, and, that, and that's great news. Where, where are we heading?
0: Uh, let's head to the Second City.
1: Ah, uh, the Second City. Didn't see – I, I can't say I saw this one coming because I certainly didn't see this coming at all. Uh, still not sure exactly what brought it about, but uh, the Blackhawks – have made a move, but not on the ice. They've uh, fired their team president, John McDonough. That's and sending Sending some kind of signal that no job is safe within the organization. I mean, you haven't given Jeremy Colleton much to work with behind the bench. Uh, and is that a fault of the front office because they – they went so long extending Kane and Taze and, and then suddenly realized that and all C. the guys Brick around him,
0: the NC Rick and Keith. Hmm? The, and Brick and Keith. Uh, see that was my first suspicion when I saw this. I wonder if he was either told that he has to move a couple of those four or told he can't move a couple of those four. Uh, Because I know that Kane was a favorite of uh, the owner of ownership, uh, whether it was the owner's mother or um, I think it was that. But Kane of the four is clearly going to get you the best return at this point. Um, Regardless of where you trade him, Kane is the of those four players, the biggest return. Taze is still a very solid player. I think maybe going someplace else might, might continue the rejuvenation that we saw. Um, because he did have a couple of iffy years in the middle of his career. Um, I think that Seabrook and Keith are closer to done than most Chicago fans really want to think about. Um, but I wonder, and I'm willing to bet that they're that, those four players, some combination of them, played pro or con into removing uh, into removing him.
1: So Rocky Wirtz, the uh, Rocky Wirtz, the owner of the team. Uh, I don't know. It, it, for me, it, it's going to be tough to take anything he says at face value because just a month ago. He told uh, he told the Athletic that the management team would stay in place next season. They asked they asked him if any if the if McDonough Bowman and Colleton would all be back, and he re, he replied, "Oh yeah, absolutely. There's not going to be any there's not going to be any changes in the front office." Asked about a rumored contract extension for Bowman, where it's doubled down. I'll let John McDonough get into all the details but there's not going to be any changes so let's put that away oops (laughs) maybe you should be careful who you're actually giving interviews to i don't know but so rocky's son danny's gonna take over as president in an interim role interesting Uh uh-huh he's listed as the team's vice president at the moment and alternate governor it's just that there's no real reasons given in in this except for the fact that Wirtz is trying to display some sort of nobody's job is safe type of thing, like when he fired Quenville. There's no real given strong there- reasons like, okay, he didn't he shouldn't have traded, he shouldn't have re signed everybody, he shouldn't have done that. There's no physical evidence. Yeah, and I don't
0: think we're going to hear it. Um, you remember the fan dance they did uh, after, right around the time that they won the first of their series of cups, uh, because a couple of contracts hadn't been faxed in, and Dale Tallon had uh, was suddenly removed as GM after having built that team, um, and he was mm-hmm. he was assigned other duties. Was the
1: was what we were told. I love when they come up with phrases like that. By the way, <laughs> yeah, they must have somebody in the in in the management office that their job is solely to come up with little quips like, um, "Yeah, we had to move him along because X, Y, Z. The travel was getting too much for him. Yeah, something like that. Oh, I yeah, I don't know what Rocky. I mean he's owned the team for 14 years now. He's been around as long as, as McDonough has been.
0: Yeah. And maybe, maybe it was just done because they're afraid of stagnating. I mean, you look at, I, I we looked at, we talk about the red wings going from the premier franchise in the NHL to back to the dead wings. And part of it is because they did in fact stagnate. They didn't, Keep up with the scouting and the development uh, of young players in the way that everyone else in the league did, and now they're what five, six years into total irrelevance.
1: Yeah, it's not. It's pretty. been it's five. Not- Ye- it's been five years since they made a playoff appearance. It's uh, and. If I remember correctly, that one was not um, not spectacular. yeah that's a nice way to put it uh
0: it was it was a less than uh completely successful playoff entry.
1: There you go. Uh, you should be you're good. you should be in marketing <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just, go ahead. no, i was just gonna say i I, I mean there's really not a whole lot to discuss or break down here i just it it just it was just an odd thing to do in a time where it's not like they're making moves it's not like they're i don't know it's just it's weird it just come out of nowhere and if rocky's just trying to show that he's the man in charge i'm sure there are other ways he could have done it it I think okay. that there's, I think there's something else going on that he's not happy with McDonough for some reason.
0: I mean, is this another situation like uh, we saw in Dallas where someone has uh, chemical issues and they're removed because of it? Uh, we didn't hear anything about that uh, but ahead of time, but if that's the case, um, you wouldn't, you, ne- yeah, you absolutely wouldn't see the team saying anything about it.
1: True. I don't know. Uh, I don't want to speculate because that's all it would be. Like I said, there's nothing there's nothing of evidence in the article that points to any good reason for why this is taking place.
0: The only other issue that I can conceive of. And I think it's probably not particularly likely likely. Um, it could be purely financial with all of the games, with all of the revenue lost and no playoff revenue coming in this year, because the Chicago Blackhawks are not making the Stanley cup uh, playoffs. Maybe there, maybe Werts is trying to save money. And you take, if you're going to do that, you can either fire a bunch of people you're going to have to replace at the bottom with, um with people who are probably going to want as much or more, or you can fire one big contract, one big price, and eliminate um and eliminate the position and just leave most of the duties to the general manager.
1: Well, that's then then you're saying that Stan Bowman's doing a good job, and I don't know that Stan Bowman's done a fabulous job either. I mean having to bring in bring in players that you traded away because they're more they're more affordable than getting yourself other players and having to send off Panarin because you couldn't afford to sign him?
0: Yeah, I – you see, the retreads in, in Chicago bothered me. I, I don't – what, they brought back Rustig, what, twice, maybe three times. I don't remember. It was too many.
1: Well, they brought um, back Saad. They brought back Shalmerson. They brought back yep. –
0: uh, and Didn't they bring back Shaw? Didn't did he end up back there, or is that just my imagination?
1: Andrew uh, Shaw. He went. He went from Chicago to Montreal. I thought he was traded. I'd have to look him up. I could have swore he was traded, but I don't know if he was traded back to Chicago. Yep, back to Chicago. I, I yeah. <laughs> so the retreads continue there you go
0: (laughs) and i i think that that's a major issue i don't know who was involved with that or who was leading the charge for guys that we already know how to spell the name of um but uh that's been an issue of theirs in the last five or six years
1: oh by the way Shaw's on long-term ir
0: yes got into a full 26 games this year.
1: Um, imagine that. Ahead. He's only 28 years old, by the way.
0: he's Yeah, he's 28 I years did, old. I didn't
1: realize he was that young, but I thought uh, he, he was it early. It seems 30. like
0: he should be older since he was – I mean he played for them going back to 10-11. Um, and he was involved in that 12-13 – no, it was – was it the 12-13 or 13-14 – yeah, it was the 12-13 final between Boston and Chicago.
1: Yeah, he made an impact. Yeah. He was, he was annoying the heck out of... Uh, everyone. Well, Marsha in particular, but yeah, everyone. Uh,
0: so, when it comes to evaluating talent, how much weight do you give to guys who have had their jerseys retired... Um, won multiple awards and
1: gone into the Hall of Fame? Uh, if, If the player has gone to the Hall of Fame, I'd probably give him a little bit of leeway when he's evaluating talent around him because not only is that player talented, but I'm sure he can recognize what's going on around him. You don't last long enough to get into the Hall without learning a thing or two.
0: Well, a certain uh, Hall of Famer uh, opened up and he well, he was asked recently if anyone in the anyone on the Bruins uh, roster um, was particularly underrated. Mm hmm. Um, This was uh, this is, of course, Ray Bork we're talking about. Tory, I think, is one of the best defensemen in the league. This is the first line of his response. One simple, one simple response. Torrey, I think, is one of the best defensemen in the league. No, no caveats to it. Not, you know, best offensive defenseman, small defenseman, best defenseman in the Eastern Conference. One of the best defensemen in the league. He goes on to say, Patrice is one of the best players in the league. Those two guys, I think, are so special, and they've got such a great chemistry on the team with Marchand, Pasternak, and Big Z.
1: Okay, I don't think, first of all, I don't think you have to be a Hall of Fame player to recognize that Patrice is one of the best players in the league. No. I'm, pre- I'm pretty but, sure that that's a statement that but any let's be NHL fan can make. <laughs> But here's but here's the here's the here's
0: drawing drawing the connections and the underpinning of his first statement. The first things people say are almost always their unvarnished opinions that they've they've got all of this back pressure about. You know, it's all built up in their head uh, before it comes out of their mouth or off their fingertips, and. When you refine your answers later, you add nuance, but there's no nuance to this. He's not hes not padding the answer. He's not blowing smoke. It's – Torrey is one of the best defensemen in the league.
1: No, and I agree. Usually and the names the he links thing- them
0: to are future Hall of Famer Patrice Bergeron, not yeah, yeah. willing to discuss
1: any no, sort You don't even have to say that. Yeah, no. Marchand, future Hall of Famer, is it? <laughs> Marchand, who is probably going to
0: get his jersey retired in Boston. It's a harder sell to get him into the Hall of Fame. Pasternak, who might well get his jersey retired. And we'll give him four or five more years before we talk about the Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah, that's not a...
0: And Zdeno Chara, I, who Hall a few of years fame. ago... Ray Bork said he's better defensively than I am. Better defensively than a five-time Norris Trophy winner.
1: Well, I'm 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 going to come out and say it. Big Z is future Hall of Famer. Uh, not going to link arguments, but we have a story that I will use as evidence when oh, we absolutely. get to that point.
0: Absolutely, and that's that's definitely a lead into the next story. But <laughs> we have a Hall of Famer in Ray Bork. Talking about a future Hall of Famer, Patrice Bergeron, a future Hall of Famer in Zdeno Chara, and at least and two other guys who still have a good amount of time left in their careers to join that Hall of Fame, to push into that Hall of Fame, and who will almost certainly get their numbers retired in Boston, unless mm-hmm. they do something amazingly, spectacularly heinous uh, in the next few years of their <laughs> of their lives
1: amazingly spectacularly heinous yes okay i like it
0: and all of those people are said in the same breath as a clear unvarnished unadorned unqualified statement about tory about tory krug so we can cease all debate about reasonable salary numbers uh for tory krug being under six million a year we can probably see some for it being under seven and a half million a year. Whether we necessarily feel that's a great number to pay him or not is a different question. But when you're, when you're linking three, two future hall of famers for sure, with the statement of a hall of famer who was an easy get into the hall of fame, um, there was almost certainly no debate for Ray Bork making the Hall of Fame. It was like, okay, uh, we're going to do the list alphabetically. Um, there's some guy with an A, two guys with A in their last name who are eligible this year. Oh, Ray Bork. Yep, vote for that one. Don't like him, but can't not vote for him. Whatever. Doesn't matter. He's going in. Um, and Patrice Bergeron is going in. Uh, we talked uh, – Zdeno Chara is the same guy that he mentioned Better defensively than the five-time Norris Trophy winner, future Hall of Famer, um, has a Norris of his own. Probably should have two more. Um, and yes, I'm definitely taking at least one of those away from Lidstrom. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, but you don't like Lidstrom, so I'll take that. I'll take that as it is.
0: No, no, no. Lidstrom, by the time he left the NHL, got not one but two <laughs> gifts. Nor his trophies.
1: Yeah, and they still couldn't catch him up to Ray they still couldn't catch him up to Bobby Orr, so
0: <laughs> <sighs> anyways. <laughs> so Tory Krug really, I really, would, really needs to be re signed.
1: Uh yeah. And and I don't think that's a bandwagon that I have to jump on. I'm pretty sure it's a bandwagon I'm already on.
0: Uh I've been pulling the bandwagon I know. <laughs> for not disagreeing for like with like you.
1: And I think that he should be re-signed. I can't see any reason to not bring him back. I, uh, if you're going to give me some argument that you can't make the money work, make the money work! <laughs> um, yeah, you can, you can do stuff. You can do stuff.
0: Um, and you mentioned that other reason uh, that it was worth talking about, and that evidence, uh, and I love evidence. Evidence makes me a very, very happy man. Um, I'm not particularly in love with this list uh for a couple of reasons i think there are a couple of people a little too high and a couple of people a little too low um but overall i like the context of the list i think that some of the votes are extremely weird on the left-wing list that the nhl put up but the defenseman list of the extent of the expansion error this is a really fun list like you could make two te- two and well, a half
1: teams. I already I already know you'd knock Lidstrom. I already know you'd knock Lidstrom off. So that's fine. I, 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 I wouldn't I,
0: knock I, him off the list, but I wouldn't put him as high as he is.
1: I mean, if you go to the bottom of the list and we're talking about on nhl.com, they the since there isn't live anything at the moment, the all these places have to come up with various and sundry things to write about so they, they've they got a super 16 like you said defenseman of the expansion era and they give their reasons for why they're voting for people and if you go to the bottom of the list it tells you all the different writers and who they voted for and unanimously every single writer voted for for Bobby Orr number one which so, I'm okay with Bobby Orr as it says and as it I've said it before and as it says everywhere Bobby Orr Did revolutionize the revolutionize the position, his 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 pure talent, skating, his speed, his puck handling. He offensive. He turned the position into an offensive weapon. Uh, Yes, he only played in 10 seasons, but I'm sorry, one point three nine points per game. Yes, there were less teams.
0: Yep. And as much as I think Bobby one deserves to be at the top um, of most lists. 1.39
1: points per game, fourth in NHL history. I mean, I'm not gonna argue with
0: him being at the top of the list overall. I still say if I were putting together a team for a three with a three year window, if I had a team with a three year window, uh and I could jump back in time, hop in my DeLorean and go back to pull out any defenseman in league history for a three year run for. In that window, it would be Ray Bork. He's healthier. He played with a lot worse teams and he made the guys he played with better.
1: I'm not disagreeing with you. I do. I do find it hard to believe that Ray Bork is third on this list. Behind somebody who I know you wouldn't put in second place.
0: (laughs) Um. Yeah, see, that is a guy who. Uh, uh, that is. That comes down to media market. I, I'm sorry. Detroit has. Uh, well, didn't he play in Detroit and Chicago?
1: No, he played his entire There's career Detroit. in Detroit. Okay. 19, uh, and year, again, 19 year career all in Detroit.
0: One of the reasons he's there is the Stanley Cups, which are, I'm reasonably certain, not achieved by one person. And. Those defenses were packed with Hall of Famers. Packed. There were like three, four guys every single year who cool. were going for those first three who were going to the Hall of Fame.
1: Well, one of them, one of them was—I mean, Chris Chelios was there yep. for one of them. Uh, who, by the way, is also on this list at number seven. I uh, had moved down. Paul Coffey was there. Uh, I would I actually put
0: you... Coffey ahead of Lindstrom or. Uh,
1: Chelios. Paul copy is ahead of Chelios. He's at number five.
0: I said ahead of or either of them.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, it, it, this list is loaded with players. I mean the first,
0: okay. I'm not going to argue that anyone except maybe one of the lower people on the list belongs on the list.
1: And okay. that's Eric Carlson. Um, well, Eric Carlson squeaks onto the bottom of the list at 16. The, uh, <laughs> Oh, hey, Larry Murphy. He was another one in Detroit. Yep, there you go. <laughs> he's at 15. My argument, and this is why I'm saying this is evidence, there are two players on this list that are still active. You've yep. noted number 16, Eric Carlson. The other guy is at number 14, Zidane Um, He's won a Norris Trophy in 09, He's won a Stanley Cup. Finalist for the Norris six times, and yes, I'm sure that one or two of them should have been his. I I, I have to agree. Uh, first All Star team, first team All Star three times, second team four. This guy he's sixth in NHL history among defensemen with fi- over 1,500 games, fifteen fifty three, and he's not as offensively. Uh, d- d- I don't want to say gifted. Gifted is not the right word, but he's not <coughs> – excuse me. Copy going down the wrong pipe. <clears throat> he's not – he doesn't have to be as offensively minded as – and I don't think he is as a Ray Bork or a Bobby Orr or, no. or some of the other guys are ahead of him, Al McGinnis and, and, I mean, Scott Niedermeyer. These are guys who – and this list is loaded with offensive defensemen.
0: I'm honestly slightly amazed that both Scott Stevens and Zdeno Chara made it onto the list simply because they're not offensive guys. I mean, I, I, Scott Stevens is possibly the best pure hockey analyst on TV right now uh, because he understands the game so well, Mm -hmm. Um, but offense was not, not his strong point and Zdeno Chara is about 100 games behind him overall um less
1: than uh, yes probably about 80 games cuz uh, yeah 1635 and Chara's at 1553 so yeah and we're talking has, like we're talking one season 82 game season and Chara has about 70 more goals in a
0: in an era when it's much harder to score goals
1: and so this is my this is my evidence this list every other player on this list that's not active is in the hall of fame yeah if you are going to include this guy and i hate using the evidence this way because then somebody's going to say well that means eric carlson's no
0: eric well see eric carlson will probably make the hall of fame too oh god <laughs> and as much as i railed against him winning the early norris trophies because he couldn't
1: he defend. has improved defensively.
0: When yes. His defense is at least league average at this point, putting him miles ahead of a certain teammate of his who is <clears throat> not on the list.
1: Yeah. And and by the way, that certain defenseman is one of the quote-unquote others receiving points. Somebody actually voted for Brent Burns.
0: Yeah, he got one vote. He got <laughs> one point. One.
1: Drew Doughty uh, got 10. Drew Doughty got <laughs> 10.
0: Um, Rob Blake got points. Serg uh, Sergey uh, Serge, uh, S- uh, Savard didn't get uh, in, which kind of surprises me. Sir I'm Savard, yeah. a little surprised that Drew Doughty and Duncan Keith missed the list. But Phil uh, I'm uh, actually surprised uh, I'm okay well, with Phil Duncan Housley. Keith not making the list. I, I really am because I think that he's at least as one-dimensional as Eric Carlson. But but
1: got a another one he played his career in Dallas uh, which maybe hurt him a little bit which
0: and that said I would still take Duncan Keith over Eric Carlson uh, if you give me the best five years of their career yes um, the fact that they finished one point apart doesn't in any way shock me
1: but this list is this list is my evidence that Chara will be a Hall of Famer
0: I anyone who wants to make the argument that he's not going to be a Hall of Famer doesn't deserve the Hall of Fame those two T-H-O-S-E-T-W-O at 2 man dot would love to hear it
1: yes would we would
0: hear it. Um, we will mention you by name by Twitter handle on the show bring it uh um, I don't like <laughs> I don't like the votes that some of these people put on there. I understand some of the votes. Um, yeah, and let's let's face it: four of the defensemen on this on this list played most or all of their career in Boston. You got
1: Bobby Orr. You think that saying something? Hart, by the way,
0: <laughs> and Zdeno Chara, Al McGinnis swung through Boston for a little while too, as
1: did. Um, when did Al McGinnis swing through Boston?
0: No, wait a minute. That was a different one. That was a different Al. Sorry. You mean
1: Al I, I, I <laughs> Sorry. Who, and by there's the a guy I'm kind of surprised didn't get not, any. No, no, he shouldn't be on this list. I like Al I he, I said, big I'm shot. I'm surprised he didn't get any points. But uh, with the names that are out there, though, I don't know that he would. I like Iafredi. He spent a few years here in Boston. Yeah, Like I said, Hardest the shot winner a few times, uh, better defensively than people gave him credit for, but certainly the more of an offense. Shot in the
0: league when he was playing.
1: Yeah, as I say, hard. He won the hardest. He would have won hardest shot, and when they did, or when they did have it, he won hardest shot. Nothing near what what Chara and Shea Weber are putting up, but. <laughs> But yeah, at one point I think he held the record at like 104 or 10104 or 105
0: before it was it was huge, and that was standing before. still versus a lot being allowed to skate into it. So
1: yeah, I, I still think that Char and and Jay Weber are ridiculous with their 108 miles an hour. So um, 108
0: miles an hour is enough to make base uh, high end uh, pitchers envious.
1: Yeah. So this is, and and I I like the fact that Brad Parks on the list because Brad pa- of all the names on here, I think he's the one he's probably least famous. Yeah, he he spent a lot of time in the shadow of, um, oh yeah, some guy named Orr. Uh, I mean, and when you spent, finish, <laughs> yeah. you finish second. You finish second in Norris Trophy voting to to Bobby Orr four <laughs> times. And he was a runner up six times between, or, and another guy on this list, Dennis Popman. I mean, the guy just, he was the steadying influence. I mean, you look at his numbers, he's another one who's not a huge offensive guy.
0: But seriously, you could take these 16 guys and pair them up right, left, whatever you want, uh, odd numbers and even numbers, and have two phenomenal playoff teams yeah. just based on, on their abilities. Absolutely. I mean, can you literally, can you actually imagine a team that as their top four, uh, their top two pairings had Ray Bork and Zdeno Chara and Chris Pronger and, um, and, uh, Bobby Orr <laughs> or Dennis Potvin and <laughs> Scott Stevens, uh-huh. uh, or, I mean, Paul Coffey and um, Phil Housley, Larry Murphy and Al McGinnis, or, I mean, Scott Niedemeyer and Brad Park as a pair. And if you just wanted to go for pure physicality,
1: uh-huh.
0: pick any three, uh, any pairing of Jara <laughs> Pronger. And uh, Scott Stevens. Any pairing of the three, and watch <laughs> watch the other guys dump the puck until a shift change.
1: <laughs> yeah, Just, fair yeah. enough. <laughs> oh yes, fair enough. I I yeah. There's there's not a whole lot of yeah. The argument I. I I have seen some of the other lists that have been on NHL.com.
0: The left wing list is terrible. I the hate left it. Wing list I'm not is discussing terrible. it at all.
1: That's why we haven't discussed it.
0: The fact that Ilya Kovalchuk <laughs> got was so low is literally nauseating. I knew that was a coming. Every one <laughs> who voted on that list and didn't have him in their top ten really needs to be slapped hard enough for their teeth to come loose. Uh, that said. <laughs> that's We're not it. It. <laughs> We're not, but yeah. you can go find it at the N- at nhL.com
1: and they've done it for all the positions I mean they have a goaltender one which we haven't discussed amazingly nope. enough even though your boy is on the list although albeit at the bottom well, whatever right <laughs> did he play long
0: enough i'm sick of the did he play long enough argument he was Utterly dominant while he played. Utterly dominant. Uh, it's not his fault that the Bruins took way too long to recognize how good he was because <laughs> he wasn't a standing he wasn't a silly butterfly goaltender.
1: Was he a Bruins prospect the whole time or did we acquire him? Almost the entire time. Oh, okay.
0: Because he had two go arounds with the team. He spent he won a championship in Europe, um, in the middle.
1: Well it's not fair because um, My guy didn't get any points, so Merzlikens. Yeah, Merzlikens, yeah, I am.
0: But that's we can talk about that list next week. Um one other thing that popped up, a team neither one of us considered, uh, when we were talking about the uh women's league expansion, the uh NWHL expansion heading to Toronto. Yes. Um there's a there's a hockey city that, while I don't particularly like the franchise that is best known for being there, um, and some of their fans are a little bit, uh, they're they're a little bit fringe. Um, it it would actually make a great spot to put a women's hockey team. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh.
1: Uh, no, I don't have a problem with them putting an NHL, an NWHL team in Pittsburgh. I think it'd be great. More natural rivalries. I mean, and we lower already travel.
0: have lower travel. Pittsburgh is a short flight to all of the eastern team, all of the teams, all of the cities on the East Coast, and at plus a short flight to Toronto.
1: I mean, like, it's even like a reasonable
0: drive to Toronto.
1: Yeah. And like we said last week, you know, the the main idea here as far as expansion is concerned is great, but you don't want to suddenly start popping up teams on the west coast and have nothing in the middle. So you need to expand west and even northwest if you want to add more teams in Canada. But if you're going to expand west, do it geographically, you know, so Pittsburgh, yes, and then get somebody out in in the Midwest and then you know, keep moving it toward the Pacific. So I don't have a I, yeah I don't have a problem with Pittsburgh at all and I think it would be a nice natural short distance rivalry.
0: Um, it, I and I think if you're going to do the West Coast, uh, for the women's league, um, whether it's which whichever women's league it is, you have to open, you really have to open two and maybe three franchises at the same time. Uh, we can get into the discussion of whether the talent pool will support that. But it's the same discussion that the NHL and the, N, the, uh, the NFL have had every time that they've expanded. And it's arguably the reason that the, NA, uh, the major, major League Baseball hasn't expanded any further than they are. Um, I think that drawing the attention for the next five to eight years of young women um, towards a women's hockey league, is probably more important than pure talent on ice uh, for a growing league. I'm not saying that you'll let anyone who's uh, female and can skate onto the, onto the teams. Um, but if you yeah. have a 10 or 12 team league here in North America, mm-hmm. especially if you've got a lot of the best American and Canadian players in there on that team, you're going to get some of those best European and Asian players to come play too. Even if it's not play, paying as well as a European league might, they're going to come for the competition.
1: I agree. Uh, you need to, you would need, you would need to show them that there, that that level of competition is going to be top notch. You know, the guys want to come to the NHL because that's where all the top players are. That's where yep. the top competition is. The women. Oh, and also
0: doctors in the building, unlike a certain league in Asia, <laughs> Europe and Asia, who shall remain nameless.
1: No doctors in the building? That's nice. I, uh, I, functional I, defibrillators? Those would help.
0: Actual ambulance in attendance?
1: No. Those would help. <laughs> so, uh, uh, do we have any more topics that we need? To, well, there is one. Go for it. There is one. Uh, the uniform ranking thing is just a joke. I don't know if you had a chance to read it. It's a joke. And I, I think did it not get a point. chance to read it. All um, right. Move it to next week then. It's a, it's a joke.
0: But I will certainly address this very serious topic of ranking the NHL's 31 uniforms – because that's the type of uh, bullet I'm willing to take with this show.
1: Well, well the the key the, the key to that the key to that particular story and yes, we can move it to next week. The key to that particular story is that it was written by a, a a writer from England who is a soccer fan and doesn't know much about hockey. He didn't say he doesn't know anything, but he doesn't know a lot about hockey. He's purely according to him unbiased and just basing his his rankings on the uniforms themselves. So something to look forward to. But I want to get this in because the hockey gods have smiled upon us. We talked about that one. We talked about Elvis. Yes, we talked about Elvis. He did get a contract. He got himself a two year extension uh, from Columbus, uh, four million per nice little pay raise. Um, Absolutely. I mean, when you're going from eight hundred thousand to four million per year. Yeah, that's a nice little pay raise. <laughs> but this one was this one made me smile. The hockey gods smiled upon us in Boston because Yarrow Halak, who was going to be a free agent at the end of the season, has agreed to a one-year contract extension for $2.25 million. And then, out of the goodness of his heart, yeah, right, Don Sweeney convinced ownership to tack on another... million in bonuses. If he plays 10 games next season, (laughs) 10 or more, if he plays 10 or more games next season, he gets the bonus.
0: So a month of regular playing.
1: Okay. He gets, he has to play 10 games. If you don't think he's going to make that crucial deadline, that, that crucial marker in his contract to get the bonus, do you watch Bruins hockey? Do you no.
0: no. Um, here's the really scary thing about this contract. It might be an insurance uh, for some people. We talked about this. We had this topic on the show a couple of weeks ago. It's not gotten the media attention that I think it probably deserves. Um, but the two of us talked about it for, oh, good, 20 minutes uh, at the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. If Tuukka indicates that next year is his last year or they're otherwise unable to reach an agreement with him prior to the trade deadline, this is the bridge to keeping a viable NHL goaltender with experience and playoff experience on the roster. If Tuukka Rask says he's going to retire after next season or says he doesn't want to play in Boston after next season. And we can talk about all of his health issues there go. Um, that we've heard about throughout his career. Um, we can talk about whatever other extenuating circumstances. He's got another new kid who, which he talked about uh, mm-hmm. during that tw- uh, 2011 uh, cup win recap. Maybe, maybe he just wants to spend time with family. Uh, we don't, we still don't know why he took that mysterious break, uh, at the beginning of the year and disappeared for a week.
1: He wasn't playing well before it. This is true. It could have been anything from mental health vacation to something going on with family. Yeah. We have no idea. He did come out and say, and yeah, the, the, People, it it is said that if you're thinking about retirement, that means you got one foot out the door uh, already. And he did mention it. This is great because it keeps the tandem alive for another year. And obviously, it says in the in the in the article. But I've been saying it all along. None of the guys in the system are ready to step into a role where they're going to be number one. And now with the way Halak and, and Rask play in tandem. Now you're asking the backup goaltender to play way more than 15 or 20 games. We're talking more like 35. Yeah. And I don't as, – as much as I like LADAR and he had a really good season in Providence, I don't know that he's ready to step from zero NHL games to – 30. 30 in a season. Uh, if he was going to be asked to play 15, 18, 20 – I can see it. I mean you you're asking the guy to step up and basically take almost half the season on his back and he and, hasn't played one game yet.
0: And that's and there's and there's also the difference between being the number one anywhere and playing 45, 55, 60 games and in, a, in a, an 82 game season to dropping down to playing 15 to 25 games. Mental preparation is different. I don't care what the guys who go from backup to number one to backup to number one think. <laughs> Yeah. You're never going to convince me that when you know you're expected to play 28 games across the entire season, that you prepare the same way as if you're expected to play 60 games.
1: Just not. So, as a, I mean, we're talking about a guy who – the the biggest risk that they keep talking about in the article, and I can see where it might have been an issue, is that in less than two weeks, Halak turns 35 and if you yep. sign him to a 2 3 year deal as an over 35er the cap uh, you're you're cap responsible for different. his yeah you're responsible for his full cap number so if he does go down injured or if he retires on you you're responsible for the whole money on the whole money is on your cap
0: I don't see him retiring he's playing too well and too consistently
1: you realize he. You realize he's still here in Boston, by the way. Oh yeah. He he never took off. I mean, DeBrusque went home to Edmonton. Uh, the Chara went back to Slovakia. Um, a lot of the he's still here in Boston. He likes Boston. He's done interview. He's got two kids. His wife, uh, he's here in Boston. He likes Boston. He likes playing here. He likes the situation that he has. So I'm not surprised that he agreed to it. I mean, he certainly could have gotten a multi-year deal somewhere else, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Even though the 35. Arguably
0: would have been the best UFA goaltender uh, this year. I mean, well, Robin Uh, uh, Leonard.
1: Robin Leonard, thank you. Robin (laughs)
0: Leonard. But even Robin Leonard has had his ups and downs. I still like – I think Robin Leonard is a great goaltender. I think that someone is – that teams are being foolish if they're not signing him for the long term, but whatever.
1: I still don't understand it. You you can say whatever. I don't get it. I mean, have you seen this kid play? I don't get it. I don't get
0: it. Okay. Anything else on the board?
1: No. I just wanted to get – I wanted to get Yarrow in because I was very happy that he signed here. And the money is not a huge deal. It still leaves enough for Tori. Get it done.
0: <laughs> yeah, it needs to be done. It should have been done months ago. Um, ladies and gentlemen, as always, thank you for listening. Please share the show with your friends, uh, with uh, anyone you know who loves hockey. Um, we'll be back next week. Uh, who knows what we'll be talking about, but uh, we will be here. It'll be uh, hockey. Talking, hockey, 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 <laughs> and not that scary thing.
1: Don't forget to wash your hands.